the traits of the richest people that have ever lived, the skills and the habits. Now, I've actually done research interviewing 16 billionaires and many hundreds of multimillionaires, 700 million net worth, 400 million net worth, etc. And I've actually distilled 19 common habits of billionaires. What I'll do is I'll mix it up a bit here and I'll give you 12 habits and traits and skills kind of all merged together, mostly of billionaires. Now, you know, I ask every one of my billionaire guests on my um, money podcast, because I've interviewed now 16, um, what does a billionaire know that a millionaire does not yet know? And it's one of my favorite questions, because it's just about levels, isn't it? You know, everyone says the first million's the hardest million to make. Um, but then when you go from a, a millionaire to a decamillionaire to a centimillionaire to a billionaire, and maybe one day to a trillionaire, it's new levels. And with every new level is a new devil. And your reward for solving a problem is a bigger problem. Uh, and this is something that zero heirs don't yet understand. Zero heirs still live in fantasy land. Oh, well, when I make five grand a month, everything will be perfect. When I become a millionaire, life will be sweet. You know, when I've got rid of this issue, life will be easy. And it's never that way. It's always new level, new devil. And your reward for solving a problem is a bigger one. And I know some people think, oh, that's a little bit negative. I actually don't. I think it's like stoicism. You know, stoicism says, contemplate your death to really experience life. And I don't think that's depressing. I actually think that really is quite enlightening and uplifting. And it makes you value um, what you have. And it's the same with knowing that your reward from going to zero air to a millionaire are new problems that you can now handle as a millionaire. And then you go to a decamillionaire and your new problems to handle to prepare you to go to a, um, a hundred millionaire, for example. So this is a common thread I've seen among, among billionaires is that they are prepared to handle much bigger problems. Now, there was a, a very famous billionaire. I won't say his name because it will trigger you. Believe you me, it will trigger you. But he said that, you know, he knows loads of billionaires because billionaires generally do. And also he had loads of friends who are Harvard educated or Ivy League style, really smart, but really didn't, um, you know, earn a huge amount of money or weren't worth a lot. And he said in his, you know, years, decades of being a billionaire, the common difference, the main difference, the single difference between the billionaires and everyone else is that billionaires can hang, handle much higher levels of pressure and stress. Let me say that again. Billionaires can handle much higher levels of pressure and stress. And I found this to be the case that, you know, when I was a zero heir, if one person criticised me on social media, I'd go and cry and that I'd be, I'm not going on social media, fuck social media, fuck my life, fuck the haters, I'm giving it all up. You know, you'd be easily triggerable, a little problem in business and you'd ruin your weekend and you wouldn't be able to sleep or, you know, spend time with your family or do social stuff all weekend because something happened on a Friday afternoon. And as you get more experienced in business, you're able to handle higher levels of pressure and stress. So this is another commonality of really rich people. If you want to become rich, face pressure, face stress, handle pressure handle stress, handle more responsibility, take on more responsibility. You know, I have in, in office nearly 100 staff. 
out of office around about the same again, and then contractors, maybe 75. So you could say, I I'm a, probably have 250-ish staff on my payroll in or out of office or contractors. And some people are like, what, Rob? That is insane. I'd never want to do that. That's a huge responsibility. You know, all the payroll, all the legal issues, all the HR, fuck my life. But I actually really love it. I love being able to say that there's nearly 250 people that pay their mortgage and feed their children, etc., um, off the back of my employment. Now, I'm not taking all the credit, but, you know, I employ them. So I actually really like the responsibility. And I think that's because, you know, I became a decamillionaire oh, probably seven years ago now, eight years ago. So um, I've definitely seen that to be true. Right. OK, so I was riffing a bit there. Actually, if you look on my Instagram story, here are the 12 or here are 12 of the 19 habits and traits of self-made billionaires. I'll do them fairly briefly so that I can bring other people into the, the conversation. However, I won't skirt over them. So number one is intense curiosity. If you notice people in a conversation always waiting to talk or interrupting or talking over people or not listening, those people don't learn. The person who speaks the least learns the most. Let me say that again. The person who speaks the least learns the most. So intense curiosity is how does that work? How can I improve that? How can I scale that? How can we do that? You know, I was having a discussion with Ed and John and Paul, you know, part of the UK mod squad. And, you know, John was asking curious based questions of, you know, how can we give as much value as possible on Clubhouse and how can we really be the very best on Clubhouse? And Ed was doing the same. He was asking questions on how we can maybe build our own social media platform or how we can grow as a, a collaborative force. So, you know, they say, don't they, that small minds talk about people and, and, and big minds talk about ideas. Someone's mic's open, if you wouldn't mind just closing that up, if that's OK. Um, so intense curiosity and wanting to know how things work and wanting to improve things and wanting to figure things out and being, you know, a bit of a, a life hacker, a business hacker, looking for the shortcut, looking for the quicker way. I was reading up on Dan Bilzerian because I'm interviewing him for my podcast and um, he, he's many, he's sort of known as the modern Hugh Hefner. But what I found interesting was he became very quickly very good at poker and made so much money. And he said the problem with poker was if you play X amount of hands a day, it's going to take you years to get really good. So what he did is he'd, he'd play 10 poker games online at the same time. So he could get 10 times the hands done in a day. So he because you need to see thousands of hands to be able to really play the game. Well, it's one area of the game, because obviously then you've got to read the individuals as well and play the people as well as the hand. Um, but what I found is that that was really um, beneficial for him because he was trying to hack the system. He was trying to learn how to achieve 10 times the growth in one tenth of the time. So intense curiosity, wanting to figure things out, wanting to master things, wanting to become better, etc., um, is uh, a great trait of, of billionaires. Number two, and this is really, really, um, this is like now, live now, right now in the world, this is a big one. And that is getting into a market early or, or, or at a good time, um, but not first. So, you know, Steve Jobs didn't, make the first phone. Netflix didn't create the first subscription model. 
In fact, Blockbuster created um, Rental before them and went bust. And if you look at some of the biggest companies in the world, they weren't the first, but they were. Facebook wasn't the first social media channel. So if you are first, that can be a risk because there's no proof of concept of the market. But if you are not early, you'll miss all the wild growth. So John and I were talking about this yesterday um, that, you know, we used to see the days where there'd be five or six or seven thousand. We'd we'd have seven thousand new followers in a day on Clubhouse. We were talking about the days on Clubhouse where our rooms would have like a thousand people really like we'd start a room and there'd be a thousand people. John had a room with eight thousand people in it with Jay Shetty. And now it's different. It's, you know, it's probably about one tenth of the reach, maybe, as we were getting. Now, it's still really good. But the point is, we got in early. So things like TikTok, you need to get in. I didn't get in as early as I should. But, you know, I'm gaining around about five to 10,000 new followers a day organically just on TikTok, for example. So um, I want to say hi to everyone. Um, someone has said here, my first impression of you is that you're very condescending. Well, my first impression of you is that you're wrong. <laughs> Everyone is entitled to their opinion, but even if it's full of shit. Um, so billionaires see a market early, but not first. OK, number three trait uh, of billionaires is speed of imp implementation. And this is massive. So um, billionaires don't procrastinate. You know, they don't wait for a market to End. They don't watch what everyone else does for years and decades, etc. They implement quickly. Now, um, there's lots of markets growing wildly right now, going back to the last point. So, for example, the crypto market, the NFT market, social media. This is all growing really fast. So that's like seeing the market early bit. You know, I missed the initial wild growth of YouTube, the initial wild growth of Facebook, the initial wild growth of LinkedIn. You know, I missed a lot of that because I was waiting for other people to try it, to see if it would be here to stay, to see if it was worth my time. And that for me was a bad move. So now I've made a promise to myself. If someone I respect says, Rob, you should try Clapped, which is a, um, a kind of like an adult version of TikTok or an older demographic version of TikTok. Or um, someone says, Rob, you should try, try Twitter spaces. Or if they, if they mention to me, uh, John, my friend John Lee here, um, he mentioned wisdom. And the day someone mentions a social platform to me now that I um, respect their opinion, I'm going to try it. Because winners and billionaires, they implement fast. They test fast. Now, it's actually easier than ever to do that now. Why? Because social media is free. You can set up an account. You can be immediately live. You don't have the, the slowness. I mean, I'm watching this series called Norsemen on um, Netflix. It's super funny. But, you know, they to, to send messages, they actually have a message on a bird. And back in the day, they used to send a bird, a freaking pigeon. I mean, I'm 42. I don't know if any of you can relate to this. Kids, you won't have a freaking clue about this. But you've never really lived until you've um, experienced dial-up. So uh, all of us who are 40, we used to go on the internet on dial-up and there'd be this really loud noise of dial-up loading. The page would take like 15 minutes to load. Like I remember the dating, the first online dating site I went on and it's dial-up and her picture's loading up really slow. I'm like, oh, I hope she's really good looking. I hope she's really good looking. And it's taking 10 or 15 minutes to load up line by line by line. You kids don't know you were born. <laughs> <laughs> now, 
Now, um, and so what's my point in this other than just talking a bit of, of random nonsense? My point is now everything is so fast. You can reach the globe at the speed of light uh, hundreds of thousands of kilometers a second. So because the world is much quicker connected globally now, it's an advantage if you're quick, but it's a massive disadvantage if you're slow because everyone else is so much quicker. So you must be quick. You must decide quick, implement quick, test quick, start now, get perfect later. It's really important. So speed of implementation, billionaires and, you know, the big influencers, they've figured this out. Start now, get perfect later. Test as you go, not before you go. Remove your fear. Remove the friction. Yeah, some people are saying about, you know, how slow and laborsome the old phones were. You know, how you used to have to sort of tap. You remember the Blackberry with all the numbers and letters and you had to tap with your, your thumbs. Okay, number four then. Billionaires and really um, successful people, they are great marketers and storytellers. So, for example, Steve Jobs, people think uh, you know, they don't necessarily think he's a marketer. I think he was one of the best marketers ever. And, you know, when everyone was talking about MP3 players and hard drive space and speed and RAM and hertz and megahertz and bits. And Steve Jobs launched the iPod and went 10,000 songs in your pocket. He should have said motherfuckers at the end of that because he basically put all the other MP3 playing companies out of business. 10,000 songs in your pocket, motherfuckers. That's how you do marketing. That's how you do storytelling. In fact, a great piece of storytelling and marketing pretty much got OJ Simpson um, out of jail. Now, I don't know for sure if he was guilty or not, but it kind of looks pretty damaging for him. And then um, his lawyer says, if the glove doesn't fit, you must acquit. If the glove doesn't fit, you must acquit. That is an amazing piece of marketing and storytelling. So billionaires and hundred millionaires and successful wealthy people, they are great marketers and storytellers. Okay, number five trait of billionaires and super successful people is clarity of vision. So, um, you know, Bill Gates wanted a personal computer in every home. He was very clear about that. And my personal vision is to help as many people on the planet start and scale their business and get better financial knowledge. Let me say that again. Help as many people on the planet start and scale their business and get better financial knowledge. So the more clear you are on your vision and how you change the world and how you help as many people as possible and an inspired, energizing vision, which people relate to and want to be part of, it's easier to hire staff, it's easier to get customers, you don't have to do as much selling, you, you lead people, you change their lives, you give them direction and hope. So having a clear vision is, again, a trait of the most successful people alive. Okay, number six then is fair exchange of value. Okay, so fair exchange of value. If you charge too much, your consumer perceives it's unfair, a rip-off, or not very good value. And therefore, what will happen is you'll get refund requests, complaints, and legal issues. If you don't charge enough, you won't be able to make profit and you'll become insolvent and go bust, or at least you'll make no money and be bitter and resentful to your clients. So fair exchange is where you make fair, sustainable, and scalable profit, and your consumer, your purchaser, your customer gets fair value, so much so that they think, yeah, I want to recommend people, I want to buy more. That's called fair exchange. Unfair exchange is common. Charge too much, charge too little. Gave too much, gave not enough. Like when in, in the world of startup entrepreneurship, which I'm in, 
There's a lot of people, oh, I'm just going to test first and I'm going to do my services for free or, or, or give big discounts and you know, I'm probably going to um, ask for testimonials and, and they're worried about charging and they have guilt. And what happens is they make no money and then they end up resenting their very industry and their very clients they're trying to help because they've got, not got enough self-worth to charge enough. And then, of course, we all know people who are scammers, charge too much, rip people off, don't do enough, don't serve people, don't give enough value. Fair exchange in the middle means there's gratitude from you and gratitude from your market, your consumers. It means it's sustainable and it's scalable. So fair exchange. I actually created a law for wealth, having interviewed all these billionaires. And, you know, like I said, a friend of mine is worth 700 million. Um, and I created a formula for wealth, having done about 10 years of research on money. Um, the formula is wealth equals value plus fair exchange times leverage. Let me say that again. Wealth equals value plus fair exchange times leverage. I don't have enough time to go into that in detail, but if you grab my book, Money, on Audible, Amazon, everywhere they sell books, um, you can go into, there's a big chapter on uh, the law of wealth. Okay, number seven then, solve meaningful problems. If you solve meaningful and useful problems, then you will be valuable and people will buy your products and services. And what a lot of people do is think, oh, I want my boss to pay me more. He's a bastard. Hasn't given me a pay rise for three months or three years. It's not fair. Pay me more. I'm not doing any more work till that fucker pays me more. Oh, it's really not fair. I've not got enough clients. There's, there's crappy quality clients on social media. Ads don't fucking work. No, no, no. And they bitch and moan about what's not working, expecting the world to change for them. Sorry, tough love. World doesn't fucking work like that. The way the world works is the world will give you value when you give it value. Be the change you want to see in the world. The universe is a mirror. It reflects back to you what you put out. So you give more value, you'll receive more money. You solve meaningful problems, you'll receive fair exchange. You give and do more for your boss. You solve problems for your company and problems for your manager, and then you get the reward afterwards. But too many people, oh, well, I'm not doing anything until I get my reward. It's the wrong way around. So what you need to do right now, if you want to really make good money, is look around the world and go, where are all the problems right now? So Climate change, massive problem. Mental health, massive problem. Um, you know, raising kids and maybe them being a bit too protected, um, massive problem. Um, of course, you know, understanding cryptocurrencies and, and getting into them and buying them, massive problem. Speed of, of money flow right now, massive problem. Certainly in cryptos, the speed of money flow is a bit of a problem. It's not fast enough yet for the masses. And if you solve these problems, you'll make masses of money. I'll give you a great example, actually. Amazon. So do you remember when you used to go and buy something online? It was a pain in the ass. Why? You'd click it. You'd put it into your cart. You'd check out. You'd put all your credit card details in, your address, your postcode, the size of your penis, the size of your biceps, you know, your dress size, every fucking thing. God damn it. This form's killing me. And then you press submit. And then it reloads you up to another page where your bank's checking it. And it would take 25, 30 seconds to like, fucking hell. And then it would crash. And then you'd have to do it again. You'd finally get the payment through. Fucking Eureka. And then, oh shit, there's something else I want. And then you have to go and do it again. And do you know what Amazon did? I don't know how much they spent on this. It must have been billions. But they created the one-click order button where you click once and all your payment uh, details are all put in and you buy it. Now, we all take that for granted now. 
But that never used to happen. So what Amazon did is they solved a meaningful problem that annoyed people. They removed the friction. They increased the speed and they make friggin' billions. And now it's too easy to shop on Amazon. I wish my wife was listening to this live fucking hell. I see the Amazon delivery, man, more than I see my wife, my kids, my friends. Holy shit. I've got massive quads from running up and down the stairs, answering the fucking doorbell every 10 seconds to the Amazon driver. Because you just go in, you press a button. It's on, like, monthly direct debit. Press another button. Holy shit. Sorry. Anyway, just a bit of a therapy session for me. Let me crack on. Number eight. Consistency and persistence. This is a great trait of billionaires and successful people. They don't give up when it gets hard. When it gets when it gets tough, they get tougher. When it gets hard, they get harder. So persistence is carrying on when it's hard. Consistency is doing the same thing over and over towards a goal and figuring out a way to not become bored, to not be distracted, to not start again, to not be allured by something that looks easier. So consistency and persistence are similar, but different. But billionaire, I mean, Warren Buffett, what he basically says, uh, and he puts he puts one, two, three investments a year into the stock market, and then he, he leaves it in there. Uh, and he actually says his favorite holding period is forever. His favorite holding period is forever. So he's just consistent. And then some people, they never give up. And that's why they're, they're successful, because they never give up. OK, right. Uh, what have we got next? Number nine, budgeting and forecasting. So um, you cannot master what you do not measure. And what that means is that if you can't measure it and track it, you're probably losing at it. Or you have no idea if it's working. No idea at all. You cannot master what you do not measure. So when it comes to money and wealth, you have to budget, you have to forecast, you have to have a balance sheet, a profit and loss management account, and you have to measure your money to manage your money. You cannot manage or master what you do not measure. So a lot of people say, oh, it's never about the money. Well, it is, Uh, you know. One of the purposes of having a company is to be solvent and make profit. And you can't be solvent and make profit if you're not tracking and forecasting and budgeting. So don't naively think that it's not about the money. It is about the money. You should be tracking your net worth. You should be tracking all the key performance indicators and the money metrics within your business. And I guess many of you aren't. Okay, uh, number 10 then, trait of the super rich is forging partnerships. So do you know that... um, Virgin, virtually every Virgin company is a partnership. Virgin Gyms is a partnership with Virgin and a gym company. Virgin Credit, Virgin V, Virgin Trains, all of the Virgin companies pretty much. Virgin essentially licensed the brand and then a company partners with them and does the delivery and the operations. If you look at social media, lots of people are collaborating. You can do a split screen live on TikTok. You can do a split screen live on Instagram. You can do split screen lives on Facebook. You can interview someone for your podcast, interview someone for your YouTube channel. 
Um, Mel Robbins recently launched a book and I saw Brenda Burchard and loads of big influencers pushing her, promoting her as a collaboration and a partnership. And then I guess when Brenda launches his book, Mel Robbins will reciprocate and push him. And you grow through each other's audiences through partnerships and collaborations. Now, back in the day, it used to be about, you know, Steve Jobs is competing and fighting against um, Bill Gates. And they would deem themselves as competitors. And now there's much more of a collaboration mindset. This is why I love Clubhouse. So in here, in Clubhouse right now, you know, John Lee and Ed J.C. Smith and myself and Samantha Brown, you know, we are the sort of founder members of the UK Mod Squad. And without each other, we would not be able to run rooms every day except for a few days for the whole year. And then we've got Lauren and Emily and Brielle and Jennifer, you know, who are the honorary members um, of the UK Mod Squad, Carmelia. And as a team, we can run content for hours a day. But without each other, we would only be able to do content for one or two hours a day, for example. Partnerships is everything. So back in the day, you'd have your scraps, you'd have competitors. And even John and I, you know, we'd be a bit like, oh, competitors, uh, Rob fucking Moore, John fucking Lena, get out of my patch. Uh, and now we do loads of collaborations together. And we were both just saying uh, um, we, we met up um, for dinner and stayed over at the Grove. Imagine how much money we would have made and how many lives we would have changed if we'd been partnering for the last 15 years. Fuck my life. So um, it's also a little bit of a scarce mindset and a bit constrictive, isn't it, to um, not think about partnerships and only think about, um, you know, winning at all costs. I'd rather win together than win at all costs or defeat someone. Okay, number 11. This is a massive trait of billionaires is leverage. So, um, you know, uh, 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 with a lever, you can move the world. If you think about money as leverage, isn't it? Debt is leverage if you leverage it effectively. Being live on TikTok and Facebook and Clubhouse and a podcast is leverage of reaching an an audience. So um, how can you achieve more with less? Leverage essentially means achieving more with less. That could be partnerships. That could be collaborations. That could be investors, debt. That could be... Um, well, this, I mean, you could go um, and use a multi live stream feature. We can go live on Instagram and TikTok and Facebook and YouTube and LinkedIn simultaneously. You could do partnerships and collaborations into people's audiences. Um, social media is a great form of leverage of reaching the masses. Look, it's a bit old school, the, the hustle and the graft and the grind. And new school is more craft over graft, more working smart over working hard. Elon Musk talks about, you know, if you take if you give yourself 10 years to do something, it'll take 10 years. If you give yourself 30 days to clean your room, it'll take 30 days. What if you gave yourself a day to clean your room or an hour to clean your room? What if you gave yourself a year to hit your 10 year goal? What might you do differently? And you would think about it differently and you'd probably look at implementing leverage. You can get a coach, a consultant, a mentor. You can leverage other people's experience and knowledge. You can leverage other people's mistakes. One of the reasons I love having mentors is, you know, a friend of mine lost half a billion pretty much overnight. Um, And I learned a lot from him on how to not lose half a billion. I'd rather learn from someone who's lost half a billion than lose half a billion and learn myself. So, you know, stand on the shoulders of giants, leverage the traits of the greats, learn from the mistakes of other people. Anyway, there's just a whole list of things you can leverage there.
And then the final one, I hope you found this content useful. The final share is that um, time management's a myth. And really rich people, they don't manage time. They manage their life. They manage their diary. They manage their emotions. They manage their energy. They manage their boundaries. But you can't manage time. By the way, if anyone can manage time, I'll give you £100,000 cash. So if you can pause time, rewind time, or fast forward time without just putting the clocks back and actually doing it in a time-space continuum, message me and I'll pay you hundred grand. And I'll go back 20 years uh, and I will invest in Apple. <laughs> I, I interviewed um, Nolan Bushnell and I was telling um, Ed Smith about this and he, he kind of couldn't believe it. But um, I, I, I am interviewed Nolan Bushnell and Nolan Bushnell was offered £50,000 investment into Apple for 50% of the company. Steve Jobs looked Nolan Bushnell in the eye and said, £50,000 buys you 50% of Apple. <laughs> now, that is the worst not investment ever. So if I can go back 20 years, that's what I'm going to do. And anyway, I'll pay you hundred grand for that. No one can do that, unfortunately. You manage yourself, manage your energy, manage your diary, manage what you say yes to, manage what you say no to, manage your boundaries, manage your appointments, manage your pricing, manage your fees, manage your reputation. These are all the things you can manage. You cannot manage time. However, what you can do is you can measure your time, i.e. something could be worth a thousand pounds to you. Something could be worth £100 to you. An hour could be worth £5,000 to you. Or an hour could be worth £5 to you. So understand what an hour is worth to you. Do more of what's worth more and less of what's worth less and you will increase your value. So you'll hear millionaires and billionaires say, that's not worth my time. I'm not doing that. Um, and that they really value their time because their time is precious. Because the more you make, the more you're worth per hour because we only all have a finite amount of time. So what you want to do is manage yourself well, manage your diary, everything that I've just listed. And what you want to do is measure your time value. So what you do is you create your income generating value, your IGV. Now, your IGV is your total revenue generated divided by the hours worked to generate it. Let's say you generate £1,000 in 10 hours in a week. So that's £1,000 an hour. So that's what you're worth. So anything that could or will bring you more than a thousand pounds, it's worth your time to do. Anything that is less, or brings in less, is admin or distraction. You must not do it. You must delay it, delegate it, delete it completely. And I know that um, very rich people, every hour is worth more and more and more and more, and they value it more and more. And then they charge more and more because their time is a precious commodity that they can't get back. And anything that's precious and scarce in high demand and low supply is higher value. Like right now, I'm hiring some speakers for, for some big events next year and all their fees have gone up a lot. Reason number one, they don't have the time. Reason number two, they've got to travel to the UK with all the COVID restrictions and everything else. And of course, the price of everything going up. So there is supply demand issues. Therefore, they're all charging a lot more. So it's supply demand, it's how you value yourself. It's the scarcity of time, etc. So what a lot of them will do is charge me a lot less if they're already in the UK. Because it takes less time if they're already in the UK. So quick summary then. Number one was intense curiosity, asking questions. Listen more than you talk. Um, those that listen the most learn the most. Those that talk the most learn the least. Number two, you've got to see a market or a trend early, but not be the first. Number three, implementing fast and testing as you go. 
Number four, being great at marketing and storytelling. Number five, clarity of vision. Number six, fair exchange of value. Number seven, solve meaningful problems continually. Number eight, consistency and persistence. Number nine, budgeting and forecasting. Number 10, forging partnerships. Number 11, leverage. And number 12, time measurement, but not time management because it's life management. 